0: You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 K C Z W L P Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com.
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Business Hour. This is Rick Schisler your Silver Fox advisor and host of the Weekly Business Hour. Glad you stopped in to hear the show today. We've got some great guests lined up for you. And you know, it's one heck of a beautiful day here in downtown Conroe. Conroe, the fastest growing city in America, according to a recent census report. So we've got a lot of action, a lot of activity going on around us. And hopefully we'll be able to share some of that business activity with you, perhaps provide some education, some encouragement. So everybody out there wants to be in business for themselves. I love the individuals who go into business, the entrepreneurs. That's what this show is all about, Small Business America. So welcome. First, I want to, though, thank our show sponsor. We always appreciate our sponsors here, sponsoring Small Business Voice on the Weekly Business Hour. And our show sponsor, AllegraHR.com, Allegra HR. Those folks do a great job in helping small, medium, and even large-sized businesses with their HR needs. Don't forget, if you have one or more employees You need some HR assistance. Human resources is a key success factor in building a business. And also on the downside, there's some traps that we need to be careful. There are rules governing how we should treat people in the workplace. Just turn on your TV if you don't believe me. There's a lot out there on a national basis. But Allegra HR can help you navigate the conditions that exist out there and also can help you build a better workforce for yourself. So reach out to Allegra. AllegraHR.com. Just simply go to their website, AllegraHR.com. Reminder, too, that we're on Facebook. If you haven't already liked us on our Facebook page, The Weekly Business Hour, I encourage you to do so. One of the great things about that is we post our podcast each week. You can get an alert that says, hey, new show up. Go check it out. We try to put a good thorough synopsis with it. You can see who the guests are, what the topics are, see something that interests you, then click on and listen to each show. That's Facebook, the weekly Business Hour page. Please like us. We have a show, as I mentioned to you, some interesting local guests here, people that are out there making it happen. Our special business owner guest today is Bob Wisner, owner of the Home Team Inspection Services. Also joining us will be Peter Dill. Peter's an expert in procurement and logistics, and will join us in the expert corner to talk about how even small businesses need to pay attention to how they purchase and how they move their products around. And I'll close out today's show with my Silver Fox tip of the week: growth strategies not to forget for 2018. So at this point, I encourage you to sit back and grab your pad and pencil and get ready to take notes as we talk about business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. And let's start first with the Silver Fox Advisors. As you know, I'm a Silver Fox Advisors. Silver Fox Advisors people say, well, what's that? Well, we're a group of men and women here in the greater Houston area. We finish our main career tracks come from all kinds of backgrounds, some of us business owners, some of us worked in corporate management, but we come together to help small and medium sized businesses grow. And one of the neat things I wanna mention to you about Silver Fox Advisors, I encourage you to go to their website at silverfoxadvisors.org. One of the things on the website, if you go to the far right side of the buttons at the top, click on Press and then click on Newsletter. I encourage you to sign up for their newsletter. You can take a look right at that point about past newsletters, get an idea of what they're like. They're very short and sweet, but they make some great points. There's always one or two original articles written by Silver Fox Advisors based on their experience, based on their expertise that I think you can find or will find helpful in your business. Silverfoxadvisors.org. Check it out. Opportunities are always right in front of us. Sometimes we don't see them, but I encourage you, get up and grab them. The Weekly Business Hour is where Montgomery County and businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve your business, and to hear from some of our own local business leaders on how they have found success right here in Montgomery County. A reminder to you before you really crank the show up, there's a podcast, as I mentioned earlier, of the show each week posted, typically within 48 to 72 hours of today's show. I encourage you to remember that But in case you missed the show or you hear something, you want to listen to it again. You can check out that podcast in a number of locations. But first, I want to mention YouTube. We have a channel there, The Weekly Business Hour. Go to YouTube, type in The Weekly Business Hour, and it'll take you to a list of all the shows for the recent past, and you can check out today's show as well as some others. Well, today, as I mentioned, we have a wonderful business guest, Bob Wisner owner of Home Team Inspection Services, with us in the studio to talk about his success and being an independent entrepreneur businessman. Bob, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Rick. Well, I appreciate you coming in today, Bob. You're in the inspection business, home inspection business, uh, and I think that happens to be a really interesting business. But let's start out a little bit with your business story. How did you come to get in the home inspection business?
2: Well, uh, I was in corporate management. Actually, I was in procurement, just like uh, Peter, who will be here later. Uh, and uh, I wanted to tra- transition into something else, so I decided to uh, look at several businesses. Uh, in the past, I had been in steel fabrication and steel machining, sheening, uh, but I didn't. Uh, and I explored that business a little bit, but it was... Um, I didn't see the the business growth in that industry, and I'd been out of it for so long. It was just too much of a learning curve, capital expenditures, all that stuff to get back into it. Um, so I started uh, going to some franchise shows, and uh, basically through process of elimination through several business models, I decided on home inspection. It... Uh, Offered to me the best of both worlds, uh, in terms of um, the cost, uh, the entry costs to get into, as well as uh, what I like to do, which is more te- technical type of uh, of operation. So uh, this was um, a nice uh, fit for me.
1: You know, I find that interesting because I've had other folks on the show, and I've worked with other people in my mentoring and uh, advising uh, as a Silver Fox advisor. That they use the franchise model, they use the franchise show. It's almost like a big book that you can open up and say, "Okay, what do I be? uh, What do I want to be when I grow up?" That's always my expression. Mm -hmm. And it's they haven't made a decision on what that is, but by looking at the various franchise models that are available out there, it leads them to the business. So you start with the franchise, then you find a franchise model that sort of fits, and it makes it work. Is is that what you? It sounds that's what
2: you did. Well, I'm not the youngest guy out there, so uh, I think fr- franchises sort of um, offer some things uh, that you can uh, really compress your learning curve on. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go out and, you know, find or uh, create branding for for yourself, uh, which to me, sometimes, you know, you get cre- you, you can't get the creative juices flowing, so you don't know what you want to call your company. You don't know how to To brand it and uh, you know and then if you don't do that yourself you're going out and trying to find some other people to do it you you, in uh, untested so that's uh, with uh, franchises all that's pretty much laid out for you they have the branding a lot of times they have a national presence already established Um, the um, costing the bookkeeping all that stuff is is already Uh, done and and they're there to give you that that help in terms of and then the marketing as well so
1: well you know that's typically when I talk to someone the reason they went the franchise route is like you say that kind of structure or infrastructure if you will is there uh, that kind of gets you started the first day I mean you're out of the chute the first day you're not worrying about what kind of bookkeeping software to buy or uh, who's going to up your materials or design your materials Uh, in fact i commented to you before the show i really like your print materials your website very well done you avoid all that don't you yes i mean that's just that to me that's worth something and obviously it was worth it to you now as your franchise uh provider have they given you other kinds of support beyond the marketing and the bookkeeping and whatnot
2: Not necessarily. I keep in touch with them on a a regular basis. Um, They pretty much, uh, I mean, uh, I get email communication from them a lot. Um, They're there if I want to talk to them. They do give us uh, legal support in terms of some of the agreements that we uh, use and that type of thing. If I want to add a service, um, call them. They can add verbiage onto agreements that allow me to to operate so yeah in terms of that they they got all kinds of stuff going on
1: let me ask you this in the state of Texas it's my understanding that home inspection and whatnot is licensed so what kind of licensing process did you go take a test a background check I mean what does it require in the state of Texas to be a licensed home inspector
2: uh, you have to take a lot of schooling it's a I forget exactly it's a, a lot of courses um usually from one of the certified real estate schools or licensed real estate schools um and then from that you apply uh you have to go out with uh, an inspector and a approved inspector for a certain period of time uh you do take a test you take actually two tests all in one day you take a, a state test and then a, a national test and um pay your fees all the time
1: <laughs> yeah i guess the state's always making sure you pay your fees mm-hmm. well believe it or not bob we've come to the end of our first segment i uh, appreciate that insight when we come back ladies and gentlemen we'll talk to bob a little bit more about this really competitive industry and how he as an individual getting started has been able to compete and build his business so please stay with us we'll be right back with you
3: resources play a huge role in today's business world and can be a real challenge for small businesses Allegre is a premier option in small business HR solutions and needs Allegre HR advisors provide help to small business owners by allowing them to focus on operational needs while providing solutions that address all areas of human resources to find out more contact Allegre HR advisors today at 281-620-0713 or visit allegrehr.com
1: This is Rick Schissler, your Silver Fox advisor and host of the Weekly Business Hour. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're here in the studio talking to Bob Weisner, who is the owner of Home Team Inspection Services. Bob and I have been talking about a competitive industry, the home inspection industry. Bob, what is the, the how do you compete? I mean, you and I have talked off air about, you know, it's kind of like realtors. There's one on every corner. Don't know that it's that bad for home inspectors, but there always seems to be new folks coming into the business. How do you yeah. compete?
2: It's not that bad, but it is pr- pretty competitive. And the idea is to keep in front of uh, realtors are the uh, are our primary source of referrals. So we have to keep in touch with with those and communicate with realtors all the time. Uh, we also have different modes of advertising as well, and uh, get out in front of clients. And the things that we tr- try to do is just uh, operationally um, treat the client as as well as we possibly can. Um, First of all, with a very easy ordering process, we have a couple of great girls that uh, answer the phone uh, professionally, can take your order. Uh, Then I follow up with a thorough inspection, um, a very simple, easy report to read, and then uh, a very good walk through with the client at the end of the inspection so that, uh, and answer whatever questions they have, and then be available for them on any follow-up. So it's really communication constantly.
1: Well, and that's the secret probably in every business is communication. If people just focus, if nothing else, on making sure people knew where they were in the process and working with them. Let me backtrack a little bit. You mentioned uh, that you have to stay in touch with realtors. I'm sure for you, there's probably 10 others doing what you do that are trying to stay in touch with the same realtor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you stand out in that crowd?
2: Well, uh, you really have to kind of get a break. Uh, some realtors just get frustrated with their last inspection. And uh, if you call it the right time, um, you're going to be on their list. Um, there's really nothing more scientific than that. It's uh, just constantly calling, keeping in communication with them. And uh, hopefully, you know, if, if they have a primary inspector, they have somebody they can use, at least uh, you can uh, get on their list. And if uh, the one guy can't provide an inspection, they have a back- backup in you, so.
1: You know, one of the things I learned lately, uh, my wife and I had sold a home some time ago, and uh, I had always, we, uh, we've owned homes for 35 years, and I actually used an inspection on the first home, which there weren't a lot of you guys back then, but this guy was kind of a pioneer in the industry, and we found him uh, out of number. But anyway, the point is that when we sold our last home, a uh, home was 25, 30 years old, and whoever inspected it for the buyer came in, and, and we got a copy of the report, it had 74 items on it. And I'm sitting there going, how are we going to negotiate all this out? Because, I mean, this guy did the most thorough. And I've got a background in commercial buildings. So I related to almost everything. On it. I said, but this is so far. I mean, taking every electrical plug to, to current code and things. It was just amazing. And to me, that could have been offensive as a seller. And it could have messed the deal up. We ended up making the deal. Uh, but... Is that a fine line you walk? I mean, that report and how it's perceived by both buyer and seller, because typically I assume there's some kind of negotiation of what gets fixed or doesn't get fixed.
2: Well, all of the items that are on the report, obviously, are what you can use to negotiate with. Um, The key is going by the standards and making sure that, that the things that you Put on the report are structurally significant or fu- functionally significant. Um, there are a few items that, well, we don't concentrate on bringing things up to codes. We just concentrate on structurally and functionally significant items, and then those things on the sta- on the standards. Um, for instance, uh, one of the pretty mo- no, one of the most common items are are, uh, GFCI electrical plugs. You know, a lot of the houses that are 15 years old, 20 years old, just aren't up to standard in that. Um, Their plugs may work just fine. However, the standards say that you really, on every kitchen countertop and every garage exterior plug, should be on a GFCI. So those things, obviously, we're going to point out. Other things may not be as, as, uh, significant, but we'll, we'll always, uh, you know, it just all depends on, again, uh, if that's on a report, you as the buyer have to figure out how bad you want the house, uh, how much that particular thing is going to cost to fix or how significant it is to you. And um, you know what you want out of the deal on closing day and what you think you can fix in the future. Some people are very, very adventurous and don't really care if there's a couple of things wrong. (laughs) I guess my
1: point is that sometimes people can do their job so well. And I I mean, attorneys, other people get accused of this, that they actually caused the deal to implode Uh because they're too thorough, at least in the reporting, how they report it. I mean, a 74 pay, a seventy-four item, I forgot how many pages, it was like a book, uh, kind of threw me for a loop. And I said, gosh, I'm not going to go through and haggle on all this stuff about what gets fixed and done, because uh, I was ready to move on. And it, to me, it, it could have worked against the buyer, uh, particularly since we had another buyer standing mm-hmm. in line. So it's an interesting line that you all walk. Well, let me ask you, in the last five years, I know you haven't been in the business five years but in the last years and what you've learned uh and you come in what has really changed I mean besides there are more of you there's more of
2: us that's certainly uh for sure um I think there's a lot more instruments to use in terms of uh trying to check check out a house uh uh, many of the inspectors now will carry uh levelers to to just see what the The level of a foundation is Um, I have a laser uh, level where I can go around and check the heights of walls in certain areas. uh, Thermal imaging is uh, a pretty big um, uh, asset now that that the inspector can use. So there's there's a lot of things that inspectors can do uh, that they perhaps couldn't or wouldn't in the past.
1: So technology has had a, a, it sounds like a pretty big impact on your business in the last few years, as it has so many businesses.
2: Yeah, and also um, uh, some of the things as well, uh, reporting software. Uh, We can go around the house and we can actually input certain comments uh, as we're doing the inspection so that the report, uh, we can develop the report as we go. Uh, So, and... Hopefully, this enables enables us to get the report done a little faster and into the buyer's hands faster, so that they can uh, use as much of their option period as as possible.
1: Yeah, you you make a good point because everything you do, I guess, is really on a tight time schedule. Typically, based on my knowledge of residential uh,
2: real estate. Yeah, the trick uh, real estate commission allows us uh, three days to get a report to a client, we never <laughs> wait three days to get a report to a client. I don't think anybody out there that's competing is going to wait th- three days. Uh, so uh, usually within a day, we'll have the report. So them. it is necessary for you to write
1: it as you go, so yeah, to speak. Exactly. Well, let me ask you, on a day-to-day basis, we've kind of touched on what are some of the biggest challenges you face, though, in running your business? It sounds like you've got a good communication system put in place, but what are some of the challenges that being in this industry uh, presents you on a day-to-day basis?
2: Well, uh, I'm not sure a lot of this is uh, specific to this industry, being a a new business owner. uh, There's things that you can, uh, that that are different than a a normal job. Uh, There are no such things as weekends, or nights or whatever you you're working or thinking about it all the time you're taking calls at all times of the week day and night um so uh, you're uh, scheduling appointments and the the other thing is the the variety of actions that you're trying to accomplish uh marketing and then going to an inspection and maybe going back to a sales call again and going to another inspection. There's always, uh, uh, you're always on your toes in terms of, uh, of the schedule you need to meet and uh, trying to s- stay up with it all.
1: Well, it sounds like you're a true entrepreneur. It's 24-7, mm-hmm. at least availability-wise. Mm-hmm. What are some of the metrics or how do you measure your success as you're going along? I mean, do you have goals or benchmarks uh, that are particular to you
2: as you grow your business? Just an increase in sales and increase in the number of inspections that we can do a day. Uh, Eventually, uh, I plan on developing teams myself. Part of the home team concept is to do inspections in teams. I normally do that. There's times when I do inspections myself but normally I go out with a team Um, and the team can be two three four people depending on the size of the house and what we have to accomplish Um, because one of the things we want to do is get in and out as 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 soon as possible in a reasonable amount of time I know there's some inspectors out there that may be at a house for four or five six hours and we try
1: two, three hours tops. That's an interesting concept. So you basically form a team. I've never observed that, but that's that's interesting. It makes it more efficient to get in and out of the house that mm-hmm. quickly. Well, Bob, I, uh, we're kind of winding down on our time today. And uh, quickly, we've got about 30 seconds. What does the future hold for you and your business?
2: Well, I uh, expect to persist on and uh, expand market share in the Houston and surrounding areas. Um, As I said, I plan to develop teams. Uh, I still want to be involved in home inspection as always. Uh, Continue to learn. There's again, evolving technology in this industry that's going to keep it interesting for a long time. Uh, So those are the types of things I'm looking at doing.
1: Well, it sounds like you've got a future staked out for you in, a, in an industry that I feel is changing just tremendously based on what you've taught us today. If folks want to get in touch with you and talk about your business or perhaps use your services, what's the best way for them to do it?
2: You can call my front office, 832-930-4114. Uh, they can connect, connect you to me. Uh, you can email me at bwiesner at hometeam.com. Um, those are the two best ways to
1: Well, Bob, again, I can't thank you enough for taking time to join us today and to wish you great success in the years to come. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to our bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we've got Peter Dill. Peter's gonna join us. Uh, Bob and I know him through uh, an Aggie networking group, and that isn't all bad, right, Bob? But uh, Peter's gonna come in and talk about logistics and procurement and how you as a small business owner can take advantage of some things that might just save you some money. So please stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Human resources play a huge role in today's business world and can be a real challenge for small businesses. Allegra is a premier option in small business HR solutions and needs. Allegre HR Advisors provide help to small business owners by allowing them to focus on operational needs while providing solutions that address all areas of human resources. To find out more, contact Allegre HR Advisors today at 281-620-0713 or visit AllegraHR.com.
1: Well, welcome back to the Weekly Business Hour. This is Rick Schisler, your Silver Fox advisor and host of the Weekly Business Hour. I want to remind you before we get started in this segment that uh, you can find a podcast of today's program on a variety of social media sites. I would mentioned earlier today, uh, YouTube, but you can find it on Facebook. Again, I encourage you to sign up as uh, a like us on Facebook at the Weekly Business Hour. It's also put out on Google Play as well as iTunes, so a number of social media sites, as well as right here at the station, Net website at IRLoneStar.com, the weekly business hour. And before we go further, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Allegra HR. AllegraHR.com, that's where you can go and find out some great information that can help you be more successful in managing perhaps the most important part of your business, and that's your human resources. These are good folks They'll work with businesses with just a handful of employees, up to thousands. They have great experience, international experience, and I encourage you, if you want to develop a stronger work team, then go to AllegraHR.com and get some information. Contact these folks to build a better relationship, a stronger, more progressive team in your business. Well, we're in the expert corner, and we've got us another expert here in the studio today, I'm glad to say, Mr. Peter Dill. Peter's an expert in procurement and logistics and also a member of our Reveille North Aggie group. Right, Peter? Welcome to the show.
0: Well, sure I am. Thanks a lot, Rick. Sure, glad to be here this morning. Well, I appreciate
1: you having it. And again, if you're not an Aggie, please don't turn off the radio. Peter's <laughs> a smart guy anyway. Well, I attend that group as well, even though I came from a little further to the west in UT Austin. Peter, we're going to talk a little bit about procurement and logistics. And you know that when someone mentions that to me, I think of a large corporation, a multinational corporation. But as you and I discussed, there's a lot of things in procurement and logistics that are really important to smaller businesses. Let's talk about those.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I can tell you that uh, procurement can apply to uh, really the same concepts really apply whether you're a big business like uh, Anadarko or General Motors, Sieve Logistics, or or some of the other companies I work for, but also in your own household and even in the small companies. Things like uh, for instance, making sure that you have a breakout of what someone's charging you. You, you need to know what they're charging you. It's certainly fine for them to make a profit. You want those companies to make a profit, but you also want to understand how you're spending your money. Well, you know, you make a great
1: point. And, and one of the things I kind of hurtled over, uh, what is your background? I mean, what you're obviously become, in my opinion, uh, an expert. What is your background in procurement and logistics?
0: Yeah, just a short uh overview here. So I've uh, worked for many of those global corporations you've talked about, nine years with General Motors, uh, four years with FMC Technologies, uh, seven years with Siva Logistics, and most recently, Chicago Bridge and Iron. So I've run global support and sourcing teams and logistics teams. And uh, funny thing is, a lot of people tell me, well, Peter, you've done a lot of procurement and logistics. You must be really uh, good at negotiating with those suppliers. And I tell them, yeah, that's that's true, but also negotiating and making sure everybody inside your bigger, small companies negotiating with those folks too, and making sure everybody's on the same page and swimming in the same direction.
1: Well, you know one of the things that is as I mentioned earlier and you touched on is in the smaller businesses, I mean, we're still buying things. We're still purchasing things. We're still moving our product our services, whatever logistically. Uh, the same basic principles just have to apply, don't they?
0: Absolutely. Uh, it, again, comes back to spending your own money, comes back to looking inside your own organization and saying, you know, whether you're maybe a small company right here in Conroe, do we make that thing or do we want to buy it? Uh, and look at some of those different options to do the same. You can look at some of your competitors. You can look at some other uh, businesses that perhaps you don't compete with, get together with them and say, well, how do you spend your money? And uh, what kind of what kind of method methodology and, and ideas do you have there? A couple of the things to think about. And these aren't hard concepts or clear requirements. Talk to your uh, your employees and your suppliers about exactly what you need. When I find uh, when things work well, people understand those things really well. When things need a little bit of work or fixing, it's because perhaps you as a business owner weren't as clear as you could be, or you could look for ways to be clear with your suppliers about exactly what you need, how much of it you need, and when you need it.
1: You know one of the things I learned early in my career, in fact, the first business that I bought into uh, was a custom manufacturing business. And so we had to buy a lot of things to manufacture our products. And again, they were really custom. Everything we built was different in a general categories, but it was different. And that was always one of the biggest problems we had. And I considered a small business. We got up to about a hundred employees uh, in our manufacturing in in a couple three offices around uh, the state of Texas. but, it was just the, the ability to buy and get things at the best price, get them delivered on time. It was constantly a challenge for us to do it. And we had competent people working in the function, but it was just like, a, I don't know, I, I thought it was like a madhouse, you know, trying to do that.
0: Well, Rick, you hit on a real good point there about uh, custom, customized things. Uh, wherever you can, if you can, look at ways to standardize, whether you're talking about a, just a simple widget or a piece of furniture or a piece of electronic equipment or something as big as a subsea tree uh, for one of the major oil companies or those kind of things. If you can find ways to uh, deliver the same thing to, diff- to your different customers, get them what they need. Don't try and push them on something that they don't need on the sales side. But if you can say, look, I've got this thing. Well, I'll give you exactly what you want, a customized solution, or I can give you this for a lot less money. And then I can go to my suppliers and negotiate better deals. So if that's, again, back to clear requirements. Another key thing is is, is a simple concept of one voice. Comes across, like I talked about earlier, to making sure that everyone in the different departments, big or small company, are all thinking the same thing versus procurement on one end, versus uh, engineering on another end or other folks saying, well, I'm, I'm gonna go after it this way. But when you communicate out to your customers and your suppliers, you all gotta be on the same team. Well,
1: that makes a lot of sense to me. Let me ask you, I've gotta ask you, it's an obvious question, the internet has had to have a tremendous impact because when I was doing my thing 30 years ago, 35 years ago, we didn't have that, right. uh, which was a real handicap because you had certain suppliers. They sent you the big catalogs. I mean, it, kinda, it was the default kind of thing. Like, I got to get this ordered, so I grab that catalog and I do it. Don't check for best price, et cetera. Really, how has the internet affected the procurement and the logistics business?
0: It's it's really opened it up, Rick. You know, you, you can talk about being able to do some simple research very quickly to see what's out there, who's who's selling what for, for different prices, but also even things like logistics, which we, we will touch on here in a little bit, I'm sure. But just being able to track and see where things are, uh, see what different prices are out there. And then when you get into some more sophisticated things like uh robotic process automation and blockchain and some of those type of things but the other thing is just to organize your data so you can organize your your business and your data even if it's a spreadsheet of 10 things or multi uh, level spreadsheets of thousands of things to understand what you've got and how many of it you need and you know be able to translate that back out again clear requirements back out to your suppliers and say this is where I need help but the internet is, is a is an amazing tool but it's really only as good as the information you put into it.
1: Well, and I think that's why, uh, you know, as is, is we dig down in this a little more specifically, I mean, again, the big guys, they work on it constantly. They're not in a set pattern. What are some of the things specifically, though, that could be helpful to the small, medium-sized businesses, say, in our own backyard here that the large guys do that we could integrate into our systems?
0: Um, just really, uh, communication. And sometimes we talk about the big guys, you know, having big companies, having a lot of, uh, systems and, and off the shelf and purchase systems, but just simple communication. Some, uh, I'm surprised, uh, obviously about the, the opportunity for, uh, groups to get together, even in a small company of 10, 15, 20 people, just to make sure they have level set meetings or calls. If you have your spread out over a you know, a a community like this or something just to talk about? Is sales communicating with uh, procurement to say, you know, this is what our customers are saying we need, so let's go out and buy those things? Is your quality, folks, and that can be a whole department, that can be one person saying, this is what I'm seeing out in the warehouse. We're getting in this material, it's either on time, it's good quality, or it's late and it's broken. need to be able to communicate those things and, and take out some or lay out some specific requirements so you can communicate back and forth across your organization. That way, your suppliers are getting, again, comes back to giving your suppliers what they need, when they need it.
1: Well, and I think that's important. Back It keeps seeing you're touching on this communication things. And again, I've observed working with clients over the years uh, that I've been doing in my mentoring and advising, that even in the operation, you use the example of 10, 15 employees, you think you've got communications because everybody can see everybody, everybody knows everybody. But a lot of times, unless you have some kind of process and everybody's on that same page, assumptions start to get made and that's when you get in trouble.
0: Yeah, another point about that is if you can, in big companies and small companies, if you got an opportunity to let someone walk either a week, a month, or even a year in in one of the other functions' shoes, that helps a lot so that you don't have someone in procurement saying, geez, I could really do this better if it weren't for those, and you can insert whatever function you want, those sales guys, those engineering guys, those kind of things, very effective, and I've done this myself, haven't spent some time work on a project or, or be responsible for working the other side of the fence, saying, well, maybe I ought to take, take a few rounds with the sales folks and see what customers are saying instead of hearing it second or third hand. Uh, same thing in quality, or working in the warehouse a little bit. Doesn't have to be for a year, could be for an afternoon or something like that to really see what they're facing. The other uh, term, and I'll, I'll try and just make it relatively simple, Instead of going to different groups and saying, how can I make my savings targets in the procurement world? How can I see some, understand the operational issues or pain a group's going through? And how can I get them what they need? And we say, monetize uh, the operational issues. So we get solve the operational issues, save a little money. Everybody wins.
1: Well, you know, your point about uh, walking in the other person's shoes, that was something my dad taught me early in life in certain positions in our family business for one day a year people did swap and it was almost a formal thing that we swapped or if someone new came in a position there was a swap once they had learned their position because and it was amazing the impact and the empathy that it built for what was happening that you had impact on that you didn't think about let's let's switch gears as we're kind of running out of time here Uh, to me this is just amazingly interesting the impact even on small businesses Let's talk about logistics. I mean, everyone's got to receive and move product services. I mean, we're all moving at some point in our day in our business. Talk to us a little bit about logistics and what we as small business people can do to improve that area.
0: Yeah, you know, some of the big corporations I've worked for, they talk a lot about visibility. And sometimes they have, you know, millions of dollars to spend on visibility tools and stuff. And that's great. I've sourced some of those. I've gone to the C-suite and got those approved. But really, you get down to some very basic levels of things like, you know, just having visibility of key milestones. And and sometimes we talk about shipping things across the world for some of the bigger companies, but you get right back down to here. What, what, when you have visibility, when did the, let's just use a simple example of a roofing company. Uh, when did the, when did the roofing tiles come into our warehouse? What kind of shape were they in? Um, who picked them, who counted them to make sure we got all of what we asked for and then, then put them on a truck and getting them out to the job site. Those kind of simple things, like you said, uh, you got to be able to keep track of those things because if you're getting ready to do a roofing job and you promise somebody you're going to get those roof those tiles on the roof and get them done in the afternoon deliver those to the customer half the half the tiles show up or some of them are damaged you know then the customer's unhappy so you look at those things for logistics not it doesn't have to be overly complicated you know one of the
1: things uh, and, and again we're we're really running out of time and i hate that because this has been very educational for me and i hope our listeners but if you had to stress one thing for people out there to consider,
0: what would it be? I'd really have to say collaboration, Rick, because no matter what you do, you want to make sure everyone's talking with each other, working together. And it, and it sounds like such a simple thing, but when it, when it works, it's great. And, and when it doesn't, it, it requires a whole uh, bunch more rework in a lot of different areas. So I'd say collaboration, make sure and you have visibility, understanding so you can move forward, deliver the customer what they would need when they needed a competitive price. Well, Peter,
1: I can't thank you enough. This has been a short but very sweet and educational time for us. If people would like to reach out to you, because I know you're looking for a new position, what's the best way for them to contact you?
0: Uh, Probably just easy uh, two places. One, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Peter Dill, D-I-L-L, phone number 832-488-2057, or on email, peterdill89 at gmail.com. And I really do appreciate you having me on today, Rick. Well, I appreciate you sharing your expertise.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to our final break of the day, and I hope you'll stay with us in the final segment, Silver Fox Tip of the Week. This week, I'm going to talk about growth strategies not to forget in 2018. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with you.
3: Human resources play a huge role in today's business world and can be a real challenge for small businesses. Allegre is a premier option in small business HR solutions and needs. Allegre HR Advisors provide help to small business owners by allowing them to focus on operational needs while providing solutions that address all areas of human resources. To find out more, contact Allegre HR Advisors today at 281 620 0713 or visit com.
1: This is the weekly business hour, and this is Rick Schistler, your Silver Fox advisor and host of the show. I want to thank you again for listening today. and if you just joined us, don't forget. This show is podcast. Uh, it's posted uh, 24, 48 hours after today's show. You can pick it up in a number of places, including YouTube or right here on the website of Lone Star Community Radio, which is www.irlonestar.com. Well, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the new year. I mean, we're in the middle of December at this point, and we're closing on a new year. It's going to be upon us before we know it. And one of the things that most folks in business, particularly small businesses, do is at least they think about, if not commit to paper, Uh, plan for next year. They think about what happened this past year and what they hope will happen in the coming year. And one of the things they think about is how can we grow our business? How can we accelerate our sales, increase our revenue? And I think there's some tried and true principles out there that somehow, sometimes they get shuffled aside. And one of the things you don't want to do is take the things that have worked and, and replace them with things that are untried, untrue, or just good ideas. And several of these I'd like to talk about today mainly is a reminder. There are things that have worked in your growth or things that are working for other people that are basic, in my opinion, the basics of growing a business. First is, in your business, you need to build a community of people in your area, people who believe in you. Primarily, these are customers. These are your clients. These are people. You need to work to build your relationships stronger and stronger. You know, one of the things that always gets to me in some of these marketing ideas and books that I've read over the years, and even seminars, they say, well, you want to have raving customers. You want to have people that will recommend you at the drop of a hat. And I've always struggled with that because I I get a sense of what that looks like. But how do we get to the point where someone says, well, I need someone to fix my plumbing or I need to buy a new car? How do we get to the point where someone will immediately think of you if you provide that product or service? and refer you. And I think, I think it is obtainable. I've had doubts in the past, but what you want to do is build the community of people that buy from you. And you got to constantly keep your marketing message in front of these people, whether it's through texting, email, events, print, advertisement in the paper, magazines. Uh, events is another thing. You have celebrations. We've talked about that particularly on the show. Put that into your marketing. Post events. Do community things, be involved in your community. Uh, This past weekend, I attended a fun run that was sponsored by several companies. Uh, And there were a hundred plus people there, not a huge turnout. It was, you know, fairly cold in the thirties, but the idea is those companies keep their face out there and we saw their names, we think about them and potentially we use them. But continually don't slack off, build the community of existing customers you have. Partner with other companies. companies that do similar things, look for those opportunities, because typically a partnership, you don't have to expend as much money, whether you're doing an event. But the idea is you build that relationship with that company so they understand more about your business. And when they have customers come across their threshold, so to speak, or even visit their website, and they can't particularly handle their need, they will refer them to you and vice versa. A lot of people miss this opportunity. And to me, that's what I call low-hanging fruit. The third thing is go into battle, and this is kind of an interesting thing, and it requires a little thinking, a little thought, uh, and take some risk. Go in and look for a common rival or threat out there. Pick up an issue that's not too controversial. Perhaps it's in your business that people have been doing this way or been selling this kind of product, and you've got a different product or a different way to serve, and go out there and talk about it. Come on a radio show and talk about it. Do what you can to make a point about that. Hey, I'm out here. I'm the best in the business in this neighborhood, in this industry. Look for those kinds of opportunities. This is an encouragement and talk about it so that people begin to recognize you for what you are, potentially new customers. And the last thing I want to mention is maximize yourself online. You know, I was talking to uh, Bob before he came on the show this morning, Bob Weisner, about the importance of a website. It was interesting. He had Said, well, it's just sort of a idea. And I said, well, you've got a wonderful website. He does more than that. Make sure you keep your website up to date. Be creative. Engage someone from the outside if you need to, that'll help you, that communicates with you, that knows your business. But don't slack off. Don't lay off your website. Stay with it. Keep it moving. Keep it current. Doesn't require a great deal of time if you're not selling online. Doesn't require a great deal of money. But it is you out there in the marketplace. Well, remember, you too can sponsor the Weekly Business Hour. Contact me at rick at IRLoneStar.com for details. Again, you can look for a podcast of today's show, the Weekly Business Hour page, IRLoneStar.com, YouTube, Facebook. You can find it. And if you have some questions, please reach out to me at rick at IRLoneStar.com. Love your comments. Love hearing about your businesses. Thank you for joining us. And remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here, on Lone Star Community Radio. Until next week, stay engaged and keep focused on what counts in your business.
0: Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio network. Either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream and on replay on podcast, Channel 12, Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21, KVQT in Houston,